0: Welcome to Simply Jesus Podcast. Today's message is part two in a series examining what it means to become a childlike learner of Christ. We are not dependent on a man, we are dependent on the Lord. May we make it our singular pursuit, our singular life focus, to allow Him to teach us what it means to know Him, for that is eternal life. third element that hinders us from remaining or being students or learners of Christ is that of the spiritual realm. There's a very real spiritual realm around us. Satan and demons do exist. We need nothing more than to read the New Testament, than to read the Gospels, to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, than to realize that there is a very real spiritual realm. In the Western culture, it has largely minimized the spiritual realm either relegating it to some fairy tales from long ago or in some cases and in some circles so elevating it that it's as though satan and christ are on an equal footing and that it's like this tug of war wrestle right to the very end and christ just barely wins in the end and we know he's victorious but it's barely because they're almost equal in power and in strength and both of those views are faulty There is a very real spiritual realm. Uh, Constantly we see Jesus being confronted with it, even in religious services where he was delivering the Word of God. There were demonic spirits present and manifested in people's lives in different ways, but they were very real and they continuously sought to control and limit and hinder to seek to kill and to destroy. Just as Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies, he's a liar and the father of lies. And so today he is still lying and he has these deceptive spirits that are seeking to bring us to a place of pride. If they can just get us to a place of unbelief, they're trying to tap in, they're fighting through our mind, our first battlefield being the mind. And as they're fighting for control of our mind, they're fighting to get into our mind, get us to begin to believe things that are contrary to the Spirit of God, contrary to the Word of God contrary to the ways of God. And they know that if they can get us to begin to believe these lies, we will quickly begin to fall away from following Christ in true wholehearted devotion. Once again, coming back to the central purpose of why we're even talking about getting our lives to a place where we're childlike learners of Christ is that our central focus in all of life is that we would love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. Christ said that in these, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled. This is to be our central theme in life. If you take a look at a film that's been produced, those movie producers try to sum up the entirety of that film in one short phrase that gives you a sense of wanting to go and see that film, something that's going to spark your interest to go and see it. And in some way, that title of that film encapsulizes the heartbeat of what that film is about. And in the same way, if over our lives, there's to be one thing plastered, if there's to be one thing painted on the doorposts of our lives, if there's one thing to be written on our hearts as our central theme, as our singular pursuit, it is this passionate wholehearted, no strings attached, total abandoned love to God, and in turn, out of that love, out of that depth of intimacy with Him, out of that passion that we begin to enter more deeply, more deeply, more deeply into that passionate love with Him, we then are filled with His love and are able, ready vessels to take it and carry it out to those around us. Apart from Him, none of this is possible. We don't even have a love for God. We don't even have a desire for God. So if you find yourself in a place where your love for him has waned, has diminished in any way, you find yourself lacking love for those around you. You find yourself getting easily irritated or frustrated by the things that others are doing around you. You can know that somehow, some way, you have stepped away from that depth of intimacy with the Father. You have stepped away from the source of all life. And therefore you don't have the strength and you don't have the love to love the people around you the way that in your heart of hearts you probably know that the Word of God has commanded you to love them. The Word of God has commanded you to suffer long. The Word of God has commanded you to be perfect even as He is perfect in your love for those around you. To love even those who hate you. To love even those who are your enemies. To love even those who despitefully use you. That is the Word of God. That may not be our standard. That may not even be the standard that we see modeled around us, even among those who might claim Christ. But that is God's standard. And we must begin to raise his standard up in our lives, not just to accept the world's standard and not even just to look at the typical church standard and say, well, that's at least semi-doable. No, we must raise up the standard of love to the fullness of what Christ placed it. He said we were to love as he loved. When that standard is raised above our lives, we'll begin to humble ourselves. There's no one on the earth walking in the fullness of His standard every moment of every day. We must allow the fullness of God's standard to be raised up in our hearts, to be raised up in our minds, to not content ourselves with a status quo religious understanding of what God's standard is, not the status quo of those around us. We must go back to the Word of God. We must go back to the life of Christ. We must go back to his teachings and ask ourselves afresh today, today, that we ask ourselves afresh today, God, what is your standard? What did you need when you said that my life was to love you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my strength? With all of my will, my desire, my passion, everything that was within me. What did you mean when you said I was to love you with my all and all? And when we've been humbled by that, and when we've been broken by it, and when it's brought us back into a place of fresh intimacy with him, and allow him to again to raise that standard afresh in your heart and in your mind, god what do you mean when you say i'm to love my neighbor as myself what do you mean that i'm supposed to love my enemy that i'm to turn the other cheek that i'm to go the second mile that i'm not to pass judgment but i'm to be the first to take the plank out of my own eye before i can even begin to remove the speck in my brother's eye forgive us god for the ways in which we have so often looked at those around us and grown critical. Forgive us for the ways we so often looked at the the flaws in others and not even humbled ourselves to say that there are flaws in us too, that we too have flaws, we too have imperfections and we're not in a position to go around and judge others. We're not in a position to go around and remove what we might deem to be a plank out of somebody else's eye. If we've not first truly humbled our lives before the living God and allowed the standard of love that he has for us to be raised up, bring us to a place where we realize I'm nowhere near. God, I'm nowhere near your standard. I'm nowhere near your ways. I'm nowhere near the fullness of what you've called my life to. But I humble myself before you, and I acknowledge my need for you. And I acknowledge that I must go deeper into you so that you may begin to use my life for your glory. I want you to be able to use my life for your glory. I want to be able to begin to tap into the deeper things of you again. I want to begin to taste of you in ways I have never known. Whether I've walked with you for a day, a week, a month, a year, decades, I want to come to a new place in you today. I want today to be a fresh beginning with you. I want today to be a fresh start. I want to come to you like a patio and like a child, like a young child coming before the master of the universe, the king of all creation, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke them into existence merely by speaking that word forth. I want to come to you like that small child and say, Abba, Daddy, teach me, teach me, teach me. Teach me your will. Teach me your ways. Teach me your heart. Show me your heart. I want to see your heart afresh today. I don't want to be satisfied by yesterday's experience with you. I want a fresh experience with you today. I don't want to lose sight of you again. I want you to be my everything. I want you to be my all and all. I want you to fill me so completely that the lost and dying world around me doesn't see me, but they see you. They see your life. They see a supernatural life in me that they hunger and they long for. And they begin to ask me, what, what is different about you? Who are you? May I be able to happily say, this isn't me, it's, you. it's Jesus Christ who has come to indwell me. It's not me at all. Don't even look at me. It is Jesus who has come. And it's not just for me, it's for you and for all men. As we have looked today at being a pation, a child, as we have looked today at being a methetes a disciple, a pupil, a student. We have come to see that there is a depth of humility that God calls us to when we approach Him. There is a depth of childlikeness that He asks of us as we come to Him as learners. We want to come to Him as learners. We want to be lifelong learners. We don't want to presume that we've arrived. We don't want to act as though we've already obtained all things. We want to Allow God to expand our desire for more of Him. Would you allow Him to do that in your life today? Would you allow Him to begin to expand afresh a desire in you? Expand afresh a desire in you. The Lord gave me a visual picture of this that I think is appropriate to share here. It's of a physical stomach, we know that when we eat food, a lar- let's say a large meal, our stomach expands as a result of that. If we eat a very large meal, our stomach expands a great deal. And then what we find is, and this is a very interesting thing in the physical body, that let's say one evening you eat a very large meal. And you normally would have a much smaller portion, but for whatever reason, maybe you're out to dinner with friends and they've served a large portion or you're at a buffet type setting and you serve so much food and you ended up eating more than you normally would. Well, that following morning, what you're going to find is a very unusual thing because you have that large meal in the evening. By the morning time, you're going to, in many cases, going to be starving in the morning. You're going to feel like you, you haven't eaten in in days or at least a long period of time. And it might seem strange because you just had such a large meal the night before where you normally would have had a smaller meal. But when you have the smaller meal, you're not nearly as hungry in the morning. And what happened was your stomach expanded so much because of that large meal that you got hungry more quickly. And in the same way, in the spiritual sense, when we have a large solid meal of Jesus, when we have a deep encounter with the Lord, whether it be through his word or through worship or prayer, interacting with our fellow believers and coming around the Spirit of God and just going deep into him together, you're, it's like you're eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood. You're filling yourself with Christ, the living Christ, and literally being consumed as you've had that encounter with him, and your spiritual stomach has been expanded. And you are filled with him. And what you're going to find is in a very short period of time, you're going to be hungry for more of him. Again, you're going to be longing for more of his word, a deeper place in prayer, to go back to that place in worship or to go back to that place where you were fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a hunger in your spirit. And in a very similar way, it's like a spiritual stomach that has been expanded by your encounter with Christ, and now you're hungry for more of Him. You're, you're hungry for more of Him. And the opposite is also true. Those of you who have ever experienced a fast, when you have gone a long period of time, whether most of a day or days or even weeks without food, and then you sit down and you have something to eat, you can have a very small portion of food, and you just feel absolutely stuffed it's like you might have this few crackers and a banana and your stomach feels like you ate a seven course meal and the reason for this is because you haven't eaten in a while your stomach has shrunk your physical stomach has shrunk over time and now a very small portion of food is enough to make you feel just stuffed and in the same way in the spiritual sense if it's been a while since we've had a deep encounter with Christ it's like our spiritual reservoir begins to shrink, and it begins to suck down into a smaller place to where we can only handle just a little bit. We can only handle just a little bit of Christ, and it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm already filled. I've had enough after this 10 minutes of prayer, or this 15 minutes in the Word. You know, I'm enough. I'm stuffed. I'm stuffed. I can't eat anymore. And the person that's been feasting on the Word of God and going deep into the depths of prayer, touching the heart of God and experiencing Him, and going hour after hour in that, and still feeling hungry for more. And you compare those two lives together. You compare the fruit of those two lives, and it brings us to a place where we we should ask God, expand my spiritual capacity. Bring me to a place where that spiritual stomach, if you will, that place inside of me that is capable and able to take in you, push it out expand it so I desire and hunger more of you and when I hunger for more of you may I go and seek it may I not allow it to shrink back down but may I continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper into you because the deeper we go into him and the more we're able to consume of him the more the entirety of our lives will be literally from top to bottom infilled with the living Christ And therefore, our lives will begin to exemplify and model what Jesus desired. We'll begin to see our lives fulfilling His purposes, the fruits of His Spirit flowing out of our lives naturally. That joy and that peace and that comfort and that patience, willingness to suffer long, all of a sudden, rather than us having to try humanly to manufacture some kind of Christ-like love where we're internally, we're not really there at all, but we put on some fake a smile just because when you're saying, well, I'm a Christian and I can't respond the way the world does. But instead of that sort of mechanical, external form of religion or Christianity, now suddenly there's a bubbling up from within us of the very life of Christ himself. And now it's not us trying to live these virtues out, these fruits out, but they're flowing supernaturally out of the depth of intimacy that we have with Christ. May this be our pursuit. May this be our longing. And may we continue to come to God as students, as pations, as young children, aware of our need for Him, aware of our need to be taught, aware of our need to go deeper in Him, aware that He is our everything. He is our all in all. He is our one teacher. There is one teacher, and that is the Christ. No man is our teacher. Jesus Christ alone is our teacher this is one of the great faults. in the religious system of our day we've come to look at men instead of to christ we've come to turn to men to be our teachers instead of to christ if you've received anything of real value through a man it was not that man at all it was not that woman at all it was the spirit of the living christ inside of them speaking through them that you were hearing it was not that man it was not that woman Paul himself writes, he says, Can can it possibly be that you would look to me? Can it possibly be that you would look to Apollos? Can it possibly be that you would look to Cephas, to Peter? Is Christ divided? Has Christ been divided among you? Who are you seeking? Who is your teacher? You have but one teacher, and it is the Christ. You have but one teacher, and it is Jesus himself. It is Jesus himself. This is spoken to us through the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 10 through 13, Paul says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you, now think of this. This is the early church. There are no denominations at this time. But Paul is very concerned because he's beginning to see the first inklings of something that we today know as the thirty to 40,000 different denominations that man has come in to try to divide the body of Christ into. Paul says, I'm very concerned regarding you. I'm concerned because I'm hearing from people that there are quarrels among you. And then here in verse 12, he goes into why there are quarrels. He says, now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? You know, he's writing this himself. He says, Paul wasn't crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul. Whoever your modern-day teacher may be that you're looking to, I encourage you and I implore you to look to Christ. Look to Christ and not to a man. He is the one who has entered into covenant with you, not that man and not that woman you may be looking to for spiritual nourishment. The Lord has given gifts of teaching to the body for the strengthening of his church. But just as Paul said, so every teacher today should say, do not look to me. Do not look to me. I have not been crucified for you. I have not been crucified for you. Only one has been crucified for you, and that is the Christ. And only one has entered into an eternal covenant with you, and that is Jesus himself. You look to him. He is the one who has made this covenant with you. And what is that covenant? It is exemplified in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. I'm going to read this in conclusion. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That's the old covenant. He's speaking here of the new covenant that was to come when Christ came. The old covenant, he says, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Hear this, hear this. This is the covenant in our day right now through Christ, right in this second in time. This is the covenant is made with you and with me. This is what the Lord declares. He says, I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. In the new covenant we will all know him. And he concludes by saying, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. That is our privilege in the new covenant. That is our responsibility in the new covenant. We are not dependent on a man. We are dependent on the Lord. May we make it our singular pursuit, our singular life focus, to allow Him to teach us what it means to know Him. For that is eternal life. Thank you for joining us today. Other Simply Jesus resources are available online at www.simplyjesusonline.com That's three words, simplyjesusonline.com